Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. It's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild in the Magnus Archives, or the Eternal Tavern Keeper in Chapter and Multiverse. Today, I'm here to tell you about What Happened in Skinner, a new fiction podcast on the RQ network. In late 2021, an obscure YouTube channel became the most talked about mystery on the internet after its hosts were violently attacked during a live stream. But when investigative journalist Marlo Verne goes to the island of Skinner, Oregon in search of answers, what she uncovers is bigger than anyone could have possibly imagined. What Happened in Skinner features vast interactive world building that goes beyond the traditional podcast featuring augmented reality game elements. Visit www.whathappenedinskinner.com to play along with this mysterious ARG. Or you can find What Happened in Skinner at rustyquill.com or search for What Happened in Skinner wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun. See you later. Hi everyone. Alex here, director of the Magnus Archives and voice of Martin on the show. Just taking a moment to let you know that this episode is sponsored by ITV's A Confession. This powerful six-part TV drama is based on a true story and follows Detective Superintendent Steve Fulcher, a man who breached police procedure and protocol in order to catch a killer and made a decision that ultimately cost him his career and his reputation. It's written by Oscar-nominated and BAFTA award-winning writer Jeff Pope and stars Martin Freeman, Imelda Staunton and Siobhan Finneran, so if you're a fan of true crime and thrillers, then you will definitely get a kick out of this one. A Confession continues Mondays at 9pm on ITV. You can also watch via ITV Hub, so why not give it a go and get your true crime fix, knowing that it's helping support your favourite horror podcast. Rusty Quill presents Stella Firma, a new sci-fi comedy podcast. Join me, Trexel Geistman. Oh, and also me, David Seven. David, will you please be quiet? 
as you follow the adventures of Stella Firma Limited's most effortlessly charming and respected planet designer, working to make your requests a reality. Uh, and me, his clone assistant, who actually writes things down. David, one more word out of you and I'm putting your head in a vacuum tube. <laughs> Season 1 premieres on February the 15th and is available for free via iTunes, Spotify and all other good podcast players. For more information, visit rustyquill.com. Trexel, can we please get back to the brief now? Right, that's it. Into that Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Ever Anon, Nicole Fry, Mirgan Waltz, Mike Nutter, Sean Froling. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archives Episode 128 Heavy Goods John, don't turn on the light. Go get Melanie, quickly. It's all right, Becerra. I know he's here. So what are you doing? I imagine he's here to deliver something. Thought it might need signing for. That's right. Just wanted... to... to drop off a package. Right. Look, what the hell is this? Did you bring him here? No. Is he here for revenge? I don't, I don't know. Ask him. Like he's going to answer me? Fine. Are you here for revenge? (laughs) Yeah, just like when we... When I fed the copper to the pit. Easy, Becerra. What pit? In here. Realise that I'm not tied to it anymore. Not on my own. Thought you could have it. Pay your respects like... Daisy's in there. That's his name. Then sure, it's in there. Whatever's left. Find out if you like. Would you please drop that ridiculous voice? Apologies. It's preferred like so. Christ, that's worse. (laughs) What is your real voice? (laughs) Nicola said you were funny. Didn't believe it. What do you want? Why are you here? (sighs) Why are you here? Dunno. It's not right. On my own. Not right. No point in doing it on my own. Dunno what happens now. Thought I might kill you. Missed my chance. Thought I might just deliver something. 
So here's a coffin. In case you want to join your friend. Get out. Sarah. Get out. Make me stop. What are you doing? John, what are you doing? What are you? Stop it. Stop it. No. <clears throat> Enough. Stop looking at me. John? It's fine. Get me a pen. Please. Statement of the surviving half of the being calling itself Brecon and Hope regarding its existence. Statement extracted from subject 3rd March 2018. Audio recording by Jonathan Sims, the archivist. Statement begins. We started in a plague. Not like the nasty crawlers, but like bringing any other doom. We had a cart of corpses, faces twisted, screaming, leaking pus. Knock on doors and cry roughly to bring their dead to us. I tended the shrunken mangy mule, and he took the remains on shoulder, slinging them onto the stinking pile. I remember it clear, the fear on their faces as we rolled towards their hovels. Mud-caked peasant or bloated lord, every one of them saw us coming and trembled. It wasn't the plague they feared, it wasn't the death that waited in our wagon. It was us, two strangers rolling towards them, unstoppable and uncertain, wearing faces they would only half remember, bringing a fate they would beg their god to forget. They could not hate us, any more than they might have hated the rock that falls on them from a crumbling cliff. They did not know us, but they knew what we might do to them what we might bring them. And we did. Villages that might have no bodies for us when we arrived would pile high our cart before we left. We did not kill them, did not lift a finger. We were the bringers of their awful fate, not its executors. They knew this and feared us in kind, and we drank it down. The taste of it sweeter than the food that now rotted on our plates or the drink that curdled in our cups. And we both tasted it together. When we left our destination, the mule whining at the new weight behind it, he would reach behind us and find a face, sagging, sloughing off its skull and would pull it to him. He'd place it over the one he wore already and he would laugh and laugh and laugh. Sometimes it fell off, sometimes it stayed for weeks. I kept the face we chose, but I loved him for our levity. And the corpses piled ever higher. We served aboard the Robert Small, bodies of the time crammed into uniform as sloppily as any would expect. Enlistment wasn't needed, nor was drafting. We were on the list for any crew that deserved us, and we were fitting deckhands for the Robert Small as it made its slow and mournful passage to Australia. The quartermaster was too precise, though, and in counting out the rations saw us for what we were. 
I ate the quartermaster's pen. He ate the quartermaster's tongue. And that was that. The journey was magnificent. No waiting, no searching for a delivery. Every moment moved us towards, towards the completion of the task and the culmination of our charge's terror. Poor wretches who emerged from Millbank with tales of Australia and its cruelties on their lips, bundled into the cramped and creaking ship that would drag them away from everything they loved and towards everything they feared. That was the first time we saw what would become this place the eye's pedestal, but we were drunk on the dawning horror of transportation and took no heed of it. A young man named Jack tried to leap overboard. When he caught the lad, there was such begging and pleading as you've never heard just to let them drown, allow the sea to take its due. But he just laughed and laughed, and Jack died on dry land as they had always been meant to. We were conductors on a train. Prim suits and scowls, a relentless beast of steam and iron that never seemed to get you exactly where you wanted to be unless there was something dreadful waiting for you. We punched tickets, ignored questions, and threw off those that looked like they were having too fine a time of it. We didn't like this job. Too many sat aboard, dreaming sweetly of progress and the future. Too few alive to the truth of dirt and struggle in front of them. We woke those we could, but too many stepped off with a smile. We had some luggage once. A thrumming, silk-wrapped thing of the spider, hiding away in an old steamer trunk. We stepped heavy through the dining car and found an old woman near the caboose. Something strange in the luggage car, he said, and I finished as was our way. You should come and see it. She stood and walked with us readily enough, though tears flowed silent down her cheeks and patterned onto the faded carpet. The spider's always an easy job, no fuss, no complications, everything planned and prepared. It knows too much to truly be a stranger, but hides its knowing well enough to endure. We knew she wouldn't scream as she was hollowed out and drunk, but still he thought best to cover the sounds with a laugh. He was always our humour. I remember our first automobile, black and reliable, just about presentable for the London auction houses we served. He squeezed its first owner until they stopped and dumped them in a river, and I stayed with the second until they didn't know who they were, any more than they knew what they were. And then we had a car. It was noisy and it juddered, but the name on the wooden siding was respectable, and now it was ours and good enough for Sotheby's. We moved a lot of things in those years, some of them even harmless. My favourite was the old knife, rusted from the trenches and lied about by a barking auctioneer. We delivered it to a leering banker who knew the second they saw us what they'd done. Sweat dripped from under their bowler hat as they took the knife from its dented metal case and screamed. They lunged at me, stabbing me over and through, then moved on to him. But he just laughed as the blade went in and out and no blood flowed from the holes they cut. And when the banker had screamed all the curses they had learned from German gas attacks, the knife turned back again and cut them piece by piece. 
we delivered it back to Christie's, and that was the end of the auction jobs. Then were the good times, the circus times. We always take what jobs are before us, deliver whatever will bring that fear and misery, but there is no joy in carrying meat, in shifting writhing spiral things. But with the circus we were among our own kind at last. They all had names, true enough, but none would dare pretend that names were real. Faces changed more often than clothes, and nobody truly knew who anybody was, save for their function within the show. We carried and lifted and helped the circus move towards its next destination, the next doomed town. Sometimes we joined the show, lifting weights and things that looked like animals. Sometimes we lifted members of the audience. Sometimes we even put them down again. Even in our stillness, people were afraid. The winter in Russia was cold, and in the icy air the absence of our breath was clear for all to see. I could taste their discomfort, but none ever mentioned it. We didn't like the puppet when Orsonov began to carve it. It seemed wrong to us to try and bring one like us about, to create or remake it in such a solid, static shape. We were wrong, of course, and when Orsonov carved into the thing that had once called itself Grimaldi, and fed the pieces they didn't need to the shuddering organist, even we found ourselves impressed. And when the faceless puppet peeled its creator and moved itself with their tendon strings, he looked at me, and laughed, and laughed. We followed her a while, but she was unpredictable, while we are things of point purpose. When she lost the ancient skin, we went our separate ways and found ourselves a lorry, long and dirty grey. We drove the motorways and country roads and took great crates of nothing to and fro, driving towards a different sort of terror. It wasn't our cargo that brought fear then. We brought fear to our cargo. Smiling, waiting, patient by the road, with cardboard signs of gentle hopes, in they went to the back, that silent heavy place, with boxes that seemed too big or too warm. They usually screamed as we drove and drove, fear thick in the air, and sometimes they died. Some tried to leap from the back into the road, and one even made it through. Most stayed, getting weaker and weaker, their cries fading away as hunger and thirst and despair took their final hold. But we were not content. He didn't laugh like he used to, driving aimless, waiting for the call, sat badly with us, who were meant to know our destination. We were meant to have a cargo and an address, so it was we found a man named Brecon, and we took everything they were until there was nothing left but the sweet taste of a broken soul's disquiet and confusion. We took the van and started to deliver once again, but we were reckless desperate for the surety we had not felt since leaving the circus. And so we took the casket, a hungry thing of the earth, a crushing, choking tomb that will not let you die because it is too much what it is for death to find you there, within its mocking shape, buried alive. It was one like us that found it, a thing of shifting names and deja vu, a fool, that believed because it found the coffin in chains, it would be an easy thing to control, to bargain with. 
but there was no remorse when the test finally failed and it fed on the thing that considered itself the master. No face to change in the cold dark earth, no eye to fool where it is now. But there was no mention of us in the deal, no thought to what might happen should a victim pass the test. And what happened was, we were stuck with it. It was still our cargo, nowhere to take it, no address or destination. So back in the van it went. A long time we've carried it, keeping it as close as it wants, not listening to it sing in the rain. Even when the mannequin that now called itself Orsinov came back to us, told us we could help the world unknow and fear again the coming of strangers, still we had to drag it with us, an unclaimed package. But I suppose it was worth it in the end, when that hunter killed him, when she took her violence of mindless instinct and unleashed it on us. It was there. It was waiting. I fed her to it. She took him from me, made us a me, and she doesn't get to die for that. She gets to live, trapped and helpless and entombed forever. No prey, no hunt, no movement. We failed, but I have at least that comfort. I am without him now. I am. I can feel myself fading. Weak, no reason to move, nothing to deliver. But I am no longer tied to the casket, so you can have it. You can stare at it, knowing how your feral friend suffers, knowing how powerless you are to help. And when you can't bear it any longer, knowing that you can climb in and join her. I have never known hate before. I have never known loss. But now they are with me always. And I desire nothing but to share them with you. Statement ends. Here. Thank you. Was it worth it? I, I don't know. Maybe. Did you at least learn anything? Daisy's alive. In there. Right. Visera, we, we can't... Open. Yeah, I can read. Right. So why give it to us? I don't... I don't know. To, to taunt us? To lure us in as well? Hmm. I, I saw that thing's mind. It's lost on its own. No partner, no purpose. I, I honestly think it just wanted to do another delivery. And there's no chance more of the circus survived the explosion? I don't think so. I, at least, Brecon didn't think so. Where does the coffin lead? The buried. Right. Right, keep it safe. I'll be gone a few days. I have some leads I need to follow up. Sorry? You heard me. Don't ask about them. And don't know about them either. Well, I can't exactly control that. Learn. I'll do my best. You can trust me, Basira. Stop saying that. 
Do you know how I survived that? The unknowing? I... Uh... No. No, I don't. No powers, no magic or help. I was trapped in that place, and so I tried to figure it out. And I did. A little. So I kept doing it. I kept going through until I got out. I reasoned my way out of that nightmare. Good lord. Then everything ended and Daisy was gone. And you were gone. And Tim. And then I got back to the Institute and Martin sent me to meet the new boss. Then I stood alone in an empty office for more than an hour. I can trust me, John. That's it. I'll try and be back in a week or two. Don't think about me. Right. And don't open the coffin. It is addressed to me. Yes, all right. All right. The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims and directed by Alexander J. Newell. To subscribe, view associated material, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our communities on the forum via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The Program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about The Program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later.